Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. My name is Mark Arlapage, and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where each week I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. This episode of Entree Architect Podcast is supported by our platform sponsors, RCAT, the online resource delivering quality building material information, CAD details, BIM specifications, and more, all for free. And Sweet Process, focus on the work that matters. Document processes, procedures, and tasks all in one place so you can stay focused on growing your business. John Kinney, welcome to Entree Architect Podcast. Hi, Mike. How's it been lately? It's great to have you here, John. Finally, you are an active, active, very active member over at the Entree Architect Facebook group, the Entree Architect Community. Um, you hang out with Jeff Eccles every Friday at 4 p.m. at the Context and Clarity calls, and you comment in the uh, on on the the topics that are generated every day over there. It's, it's for anybody who has not joined us over at the Facebook group, it's entrearchitect.com slash group is a nice, easy uh, link to get you there. If you were an architect or you're trained as an architect, you're welcome to join us there. It's only architects and architecture students, people who've been, who are trained as architects. We're all there. So come on over uh, entrearchitect.com slash group. It's super engaged, super friendly and positive. That's, that's something that we're really proud of. Uh, it's a positive place on Facebook. Not too many places on Facebook are positive these days. Uh, we're, we're all friends in there, right, John? Yes, we are. All right. So let me, let me, uh, introduce you. 
Uh, John attended Roger Williams College, now Roger Williams University. Also, that's where I graduated in 93. Uh, and then over uh, the BAC, the Boston Architectural Center. Uh, he spent the last 36 plus years in and around Boston, Massachusetts at many architectural firms, both large and small, working on the technical aspect side of the business. Today, he's the founder of JFK Drawings, Models, and Renderings. JFK DMR is a Revit consulting firm aimed at helping architects, like us, maximize their use of Revit. Uh, today, we're gonna talk about Revit. We're gonna talk about how we can transfer, transition from CAD to BIM. Right, so if you're one of those people, listen up. If you're not, if you were already there at BIM, listen up too, because we're going to give you some tips as well. Before we get too deep into this episode, let's say thank you to our platform sponsors, RCAT and Sweet Process. I'm hearing it more and more among the Entree Architect community. The workload is piling up. With project conditions changing and limited time to get things done, it's good to have information at your fingertips. RCAT.com provides architects, engineers, spec writers, and contractors with the most comprehensive libraries of building product content. And it's designed so you can access it quickly and efficiently. Even better, RCAT.com is free to use and requires no registration, no credit card, no email. So visit today at RCAT.com and access the information you need now. That's RCAT.com. A-R-C-A-T dot com. Let me ask you a question. Are you frustrated with how long it takes to get stuff done in your architecture firm? Or how chaotic and confusing things seem to get? Well, let me tell you about a much better way of getting work done. Let me tell you about an amazing new tool that will help you overcome the frustrating log jams in your architecture firm. Sweet process. It's a simple yet powerful tool that lets you create clear step-by-step -step instructions for every task in your architecture firm. From writing proposals, to executing client work, to responding to client requests. So everything gets done more easily and more reliably. Plus, you'll have a central place where everyone who works for you, your employees, your contractors, even virtual assistants, can access your procedures anytime from any device. The best way to understand how Sweet Process streamlines your work is to start using it. The company offers a 14-day free trial, but listeners to this podcast, the Entree Architect community, you can try Sweet Process for 28 days free, free of charge, 28 days. You don't even have to enter a credit card to get started. Just visit sweetprocess.com slash entrearchitect to start your free 28-day trial. That's sweetprocess.com slash entrearchitect. And let them know that you heard about them at the Entree Architect podcast. Sweetprocess.com slash entrearchitect. Please visit our platform sponsors today and thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architect community. Before we jump into that conversation with John, um, I want to know more about you, John. I want to uh, learn your origin story. When did you discover your passion for architecture? What or who inspired you to become an architect? Share that story, that, that journey from where you find yourself um, uh, that back then to where you find yourself today. Well, the, the hokey pot was 
definitely Mike Brady from the Brady Bunch, <laughs> as everybody loves that. And it it really just kind of pushed me over to the architectural side. I had been drawing from day one. I, I literally went into uh, one of my classes, one of my drawing classes at the BAC, and the professor there said, bring all your stuff in. I brought tons of stuff in, you know, from when I was a little boy to, you know, early 20s. Yeah. He took one look at me and said, oh, my God, one, you should be an architect. Two, how long have you been drawing? Have you been drawing since you've been in the womb? <laughs> and it was like, I think I have. So I was, I was drawing from day one, playing with the rector sets, playing with log cabins. Yeah. Lincoln what you, as a kid, what did you like to draw? I used to do that too. I drew everything. I was, I was such a bored little child. I draw cartoons off the TV set as they were going through. I, I never knew a child who was bored with cartoons. I draw Yogi Bear, the yeah. whole Bear set, and it was all freehand off that. And you know that notebook is still near and dear to my heart. And yeah, I'm in, sure. In, in a safe place somewhere in the house. Do you still draw by hand? Because I know you're a Revit specialist now. I, do you do you still sketch? I still draw by hand. Uh, actually, as a teenager, my parents actually forced me into doing watercolor painting. Mm. You know, I went, Dad, I don't want to do watercolor. I'm an ar- I want to be an architect. I want to draw. This is my life. Yeah. And he said, you got to see this guy. And I went there, and all of a sudden, I fell in love with watercolor paintings, too. So that's that also pushes my other side to rendering, too. Yeah. So, I mean, I took, as a teenager, I took so many classes doing watercolors with this person. And at one point, he said, you know, I can't show you any more. Hey, Ron, can I do buildings? And it was like, sure. So I started picking up buildings and just drawing them off of like PA covers mm-hmm. and, and whatnot and then rendering them. Progressive architecture for any of you youngins who don't know what PA is. It's a former magazine. <laughs> I think it actually evolved into today. It's actually former now. I'm shocked. Yeah, I don't think PA is around anymore. So, so, um, so what happened from there? So you like to draw, you, you did some watercolors as a kid. Where, how did you end up uh, going to architecture school? As I said, I, I knew I wanted to do the architecture stuff. I just, I loved buildings. I'd, I'd watch TV shows and I'd just look at the buildings. You know, I'm a big sci-fi fan and I looked at those buildings. As fake as they were, it just kind of, you know, got the juices flowing and it's like, yeah. wow, this would be really cool. I mean, you know, back in the day, how... How much was sci-fi just a bit of modeling and whatnot at that right. point? Okay. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, okay, so I just jumped into that. Always wanted to. I said, I want to do math all through high school and everything else. New architects needed math. Fought my way through guidance counselors and everything else in the beginning through high school and said, I'm doing architecture. That's just it. Ended up at Roger Williams. You know, I spent a year and a half there, then transferred over to the BAC and spent some time there. BAC is one nice trip for anybody who wants to go there. Be prepared to have no life. It, it is a very long process. It is a very stressed out process because you also have to work as well. So, I mean, I was working at, a, at my first job was a local architecture firm. like three towns over from where I lived. Mm-hmm. And... It was an office person start. I mean, this is the early 80s. This is back in 84. So I started out doing office person stuff, and it was like six months later. He got me into drawing and, and doing the drafting and whatnot. 
and you know, and the other part of the BAC that's really, really tough is the portfolio reviews. I'm very passionate as far as that's concerned, and I want to do everything I can. Nobody passes a BAC portfolio review. I am totally mad because I didn't pass it. My <laughs> boss looks at me. This is my first boss, and you know, I, I love him like a grandfather. He, he was my mentor, Jim Sullivan. He's passed on now. I love him like a grandfather. Comes up and says to me, "I know how you love architecture. I know what your brain is like. You know, I, I've, I've seen you work. I'm putting you in wall sections and details." For six years, I spent doing wall sections and details in the technical part of it. Now, along at some point in that you know tenure, uh, a, a new kid at that point <laughs> comes in. It's something like a thirty-year-old at that point. I mean, my boss was sixty. He comes in and says, "This great new thing called CAD," and, and I jumped at the chance. I mean, I loved computers since I was in high school, so I jumped at the chance. I'm the only one amongst the 20 something that's amongst 60 somethings let's go this is the wave of the future let's go do this jim said it's all on you my friend and from that day i took off so you helped that firm transition from hand drawing to cad from hand drawing to cad how how large was that firm that was probably about 20 people it, okay. it was way up and down it was it was a really small firm we did a lot of design build so it was a lot of repetitious and you know Jim had actually believed that, you know, the repetition was where CAD was going to be most useful at that point in time. Right, right. And that's so why how, how did that transition go? What, what, what did you do and how did you do that? I basically took nothing and had to set up hardware, software, all the standards that the office had to go from from there. Yeah, and so you had to learn all that from scratch and then teach to, it to others. And, and it was a baptismal by fire. Yeah. And it was... Hit John do, and that's right. and John did. I, I set up you know templates at that time. I don't remember if anybody remembers the digitizing boards. Yeah, I remember that's them. Good. Yeah, I I set up a whole slew of those for the office. No one had ever saw that. No one ever knew. And, and again, they were sixty uh, yeah sixty somethings, and they just were like, "Wow, this is so foreign to us." I, I mean, the younger crowd took to it. The older crowd, you know, they were kind of set in their ways. Yeah. Well, also, when you, you go from hand drawing, where the pencil is just an extension of your brain, right? And, and you go to the early days of CAD, where you have digitizers and stylus, and you have to f push a button before you draw a line, and then push another button to stop the line. There's like all this thought that's involved between the creativity in your brain and, the, and what's happening in the output on your computer. Those early days were a struggle. I was in that same position as a young architect. Uh, I'm, I came into a firm with no computers, you know, other than the office manager having, you know, data processing and, and, and uh, word processing. Uh, but you know, I helped transition. That was, that was a very small firm, just four, four or five people. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and it was difficult. Those early days were difficult. They trained me and then I had to train them and it was, uh, it was difficult to do it. Well, it's kind of fortunate because I dug into all the books at the time. And, you know, the big one at that point was Mastering AutoCAD by Paul Auburn. And I am a huge Paul Auburn fan. And I would suggest that anybody who wants to get into either AutoCAD or Revit, you know, th their first step should be read his books. One, they're in plain, simple English. He's got a lot of diagrams to go along with them. And he explains it along the way. I know he has some Linda stuff too, Linda.com. Yeah. And, and 
<laughs> I haven't had a chance to look at those just yet, but I'm yeah, quite uh, sure. Lynda.com is a place where you can go for courses, where you can sign up a cor course. And we'll have a link to Paul Auburn's uh, information on the website as well on our show notes, just so you have a, a quick link to do that. I, I believe he's also on LinkedIn as well. Yeah, okay. He's got some classes there. So, so you transition this firm, you learn a lot there, you, you're, you, you find your passion, find your place with computers and, and AutoCAD. And so what's, what happens from that point? From that point, we keep traveling to different firms. You know, it, it, it's the eighties, the nineties, it's a tough time for architecture. Yeah. And, and I'm just making my way through and, you know, picking up d different disciplines along the way. I mean, at one point, I'm going through doing retail. I, I've done CVS, Talbert's, which is a closed firm out here. CVS is a drugstore. Yeah. And, and basically, that was a lot of just AutoCAD and down and dirty, just not design. And then there were other firms that I was doing, you know, uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, I did a forestry department up in New Hampshire at one point. I've done a lot of as I say, retail, I've started to finishing up now doing some residential stuff. I'm working with residential architects. Yeah. So, so when did you, John, when did you, when did you personally transition from AutoCAD to BIM? 2008. And, and I was at the age of 44. I'm in this place that's doing a lot of, as, as they called it, boutique. Yeah architecture they were doing pharmaceutical schools and colleges and whatnot and it was really heavy duty autocad the bin manager that comes in off the street basically they hired somebody to come in said you have to use revit and and that was i mean he forced them into revit yeah after that last project that they did on autocad they asked for volunteers i literally ran up to the project architect and said please oh please oh please let me in i know this is the way the next step of the future for you know automated drawing or cat or whatnot and, and i knew that bim was it and revit was just you know revit was the natural step from autocad right right exactly it, and it, so it, you became so you... it's it's the same people that are you know developing autocad and over the years i've kind of noticed that they've tried to keep the same commands, the same look, the same feel. You know, it, it, they are two different animals. AutoCAD is definitely 2D drawing now. Revit is definitely 3D drawing, and, you know, they shouldn't be mixed. Yeah. But, but you, you get the feel. And, and as I said, I made that transition in kind of steps. I was working at one place. It was a GC that was, you know, had an architectural firm on the side as well. And it's back in the days with AutoCAD and AutoCAD went to 3D. I turned around and, you know, had new drawings and we had a, a millwork out back. So, you know, the, the owner comes in and says, I, I need this in a 3D perspective. Oh, great. I'm going, it's like, I got all your drawings laid out for the guys in back and you need a 3D perspective. I backpedal so fast and I make a 3D, you know, model of this. In, in AutoCAD at the time, this is yeah. like 1997, and I'm backpedaling and doing this. It's like I look at this model and I go, my God, I can get so much off a 3D model at this time so that I won't have to spend all day long drawing plans, elevations, sections. If I just draw this model, 
I can get all three at the same time. And I said, this is a wonderful way, you know, to save time, to save, you know, energy, effort, and be a lot more productive. Right, right. And so you, so you became a, a first a CAD expert, and, yep. then, and then a BIM, specifically Revit expert, um, and worked in many firms doing um, BIM and, and Revit specifically. When did JFK drawings, models, and renderings happen? Uh, roughly around 2011. I had gotten laid off at the tail end, actually December 1st. How about that for a date? December 1st, 2009. <laughs> I actually remember the date from that one firm that I transitioned into BIM with. They had laid me off, and I'm just like running around with my head cut off here. It's like, oh my God, I got to find a job. I got to find a job. I ended up going to the, my lawyer for some other things, and he goes, and, and I told him the story, and he just said, why don't you just start your own business? I looked at him, and it's 2009, 2010, going, are you insane when this? Yeah, right in the session? middle of the, the death of the, of the yeah. Great Recession. Yeah, and, and it's such a horror show, and it's like, well, I got nothing else better to do with my life right now. Let's start. I mean, I would love to be on my own. Let's start. Let's go. And it got created, and it got created to be, you know, one to try and get rid of the middleman between myself and the temp services. And I just started out trying to be a drafting service. So you, I, did you do, did you do CAD and BIM right in the beginning or well, only at that BIM? point I said, let's just make this Revit. All right. So you started right off the bat with Revit yeah. just became a Revit consultant right back in 2008, 2009. And this, I mean, I, I don't want to say AutoCAD's dead, but you know, to me it's been kind of dead because I've seen yeah. it, it being that 3D and yeah, and how much more and how much more value we can get out of drafting and using a software like Revit. You know, just right. just its productive side. So, what does JFK do today? JFK does today. Obviously, it still does the drafting. Uh, I also found a niche from talking with other architects that they needed to spend t way too much time on doing. Uh, content in, Re in Revit, we call it families. Mm -hmm. And it's just like a door, a window, uh, a desk. Some of those things can take way too much time. And at, at one point I was sitting there and drawing a, a, a bookcase when I was getting trained and it was like four hours just to do it. <laughs> and, I, and the trainer goes, oh, yeah, you did a wonderful job. It's like, man, I just spent four hours doing the bookcase. <laughs> my project architect comes over my shoulder and says, John, what have you been doing for the last four hours? Look, I drew a bookcase. Look, I drew a bookcase. <laughs> this is not going to fly. The, the training was great. I, I will always suggest that everybody who has the ability to get trained, get trained in Revit one way or the other. Find some way to train yourself in it. I mean, knowledge is power as far as that's concerned. But doing that training... And, and this is where my Revit service is now for the coaching services, because I never had myself, anybody behind me saying, you know, you can do it kind of like this, or you can kind of do it better. We went into the training sessions, four hours a day, came out, and not a thing that we had learned in the training sessions was applicable to what we were drawing on the floor, because we were so far advanced in our drawing and what they wanted. I mean, the, to me, training is great. But training only teaches you to deal with the perfect box. Right. You know, I mean, I, I can show everybody how to draw a wall, a window, a, you know, a roof and whatnot. But it's putting together the pieces and, and making them 
come alive, let's say, and 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 doing all those workarounds as we call them in Revit, and and trying to make it look architectural, trying to be architectural, yeah, and all those architectural standards that we all learned in school. So firms can hire JFK to do the drawing for them for you, yeah. right? So you can so you'll do it for them as a teammate, basically of their of right. their team, right? Um, or or they they. Will you do you do training as well, in addition to the coaching? Well, it, it depends because right now the coaching has started out to be you know just like you are in transition from AutoCAD, so I'm yeah. getting a lot of single sole proprietors right now that want and and realize the fact that they need to know BIM because the world's changing over to BIM. So let's change over and go to Revit. In my case, go to right. Revit. So so somebody can hire you as a Revit coach. Right, and then you will help them transition from CAD to BIM. So you'll you'll yep. t- teach them what they need to know. They'll you'll be there for them to answer questions, be the guy that's looking over your shoulder, taking a look. Hey, you know you can do this a little bit better, a little bit more efficient. Here's a trick. Here's a tip. Those kind of things, right? The last three weeks, I'm working with one person that I met at the Context and Clarity. Great, great. That, I love hearing that. She said. You know, I, I really need it, but I don't have the structure in my life or anything else. Maybe if I pay you, right, you'll have the stru- you'll give me the structure to do. I have spent the last three weeks with it, and it's like only it's only an hour a night, you know, a little after hours because that's good for yeah. time. Where it's whatever time's good for you, I'll deal with. Yeah, but it's such it, a great idea because I, I people like me who you know we 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 I don't do a lot of uh, CAD or BIM anymore, but but I've you know I don't know Revit at all, and so. Uh, if I had to do a project, I would be I'd be right back to the CAD uh, software. And so, somebody like me who wants to shift from CAD to Revit and uh, and wants to do it efficiently and and you know painlessly, I love that idea. Where it's not you know I, I'm not just going to watch some videos and try to figure it out. I actually have somebody helping me through the process and encouraging me and supporting me and, and exactly. reviewing what I do and. Uh, like a real coach, you know, like a like a sports coach. Yeah, yeah, and exactly that's what I wanted these coaching sessions to be. I mean, I've I've seen like everybody else, and I've done like everybody else those YouTube videos. Yeah, people have put up there, and you know, yeah, they're free. I'm I'm, I'm getting what I paid for, obviously. But one that point that they always put across is, this is what I think you need to know. And I'm going to teach you what I think you need to know. Yeah. I don't want the Revit coaching sessions to be that. I want them to be, what are you having trouble with? Where can I help you? How can I get, you know, how can I make Revit a software that's a value to you and that helps you in your production? So, I mean, if you tell me what you're having problems with, maybe you and I can talk and, right. and, and get this over with and, you know, and, and coach you through it. Right, that's a great idea. It's to because it's it's customized, right? It's like yeah. it's like a guitar teacher rather than teaching you the chords, teaching you a simple song, right? Yeah. <laughs> and exactly. I'm excited about that simple song, right? I, now I'm ex- enthused and I want to learn more, right? The chords are boring, exactly. And so, exactly. and so uh, I love that idea. So if if um, what would you say is the one thing that most architects are making a mistake with when they're trying to transition from CAD to BIM? It's not knowing what you want to have as your final product, not having what, you know, your systems in place. And definitely I would always tell everybody that they should have a Revit template that sets up 
how the procedures are working through, how your workflow goes through, and having you know a, a set of instructions within that template that tells the rest of your firm, this is how we do things, and, and basically give them that. I've done a couple of templates for people right now, and they've all been customized templates in Revit. The time that it takes me to do it is roughly 120 hours to 136 hours. Explain what a template is for somebody like me who doesn't know. A, a template is basically in Revit. It's going to be set up with all your company standards, okay. your line weights, your line types, uh, your view. So if you wanted to see a 2D plane, you can see a 2D plane. You can see a 2D elevation. You have all your sheets you, that you need set up. I'll give you a typical set of sheets that you need to be set up, set up. It'll have your schedules all set up and ready to run. Uh, what else is there? So it's basically the place where you start. So you have a new project, you open the template, rename it or however you do it, and, exactly. you, and you start from there. Yeah, I, I always call it the springboard because this is where you always start off from. Yeah. It, it, and if you don't start off from, and I've been to a lot of firms that don't have templates, you sit there and at every project you do the same repetitive thing over and over and over again. And you, you spend that 120 hours, multiply that by every project you have. So if you had a template that, you know, saves you 120 hours for every project, that's a very nice value to have. Yeah. You know, is that, is that something, is that something that's part of your coaching or do you offer templates separately from coaching? I offer templates separate from coaching right this second. I mean, I will suggest it, but again, I would, if you're coming to me with, you know, wanting the coaching thing and don't have a template, I will suggest you get one. Mm -hmm. I will not hard sell you and say buy mine. I will say, you know, I do sell them. Yeah. You know, please, please, if you want to have consideration, I will help you out with it by all means. I, I'm working on three different versions of it right now. You know, the the basic that's just a little bit above out of the box template, that one's done. The customizer is where you and I yeah. will get together and and I will discuss, you know, what your needs are. You will tell me what your needs are. I will, you know, try and help you to figure out the best solution for those needs at that point. And then the middle of the road one, I haven't really decided just yet, but I think the middle of the road one is going to be somewhere in between that, that, you know, those two itself. Right. The, the, uh, all that information is at, at John's website, JFKDMR, JFKDMR.com. Uh, so you can learn all about that and what it costs and all that. So, so John, the, so if that's the biggest mistake they're making, they don't have a template, they're trying to do this. They're wasting a lot of time on every project. Um, can you share a success story of somebody who transitioned from CAD to BIM and and uh, and how it's resulted? Yeah, it, it's it's been a complete time saver. The first one I ever did, and it's it's really kind of funny because I was just hired by this firm that I had worked with temp under a temp service. And they called me back a year later and said, John, you did such a great job, you know, helping us with the drafting and everything else. We need something to get us started. We need really, really something. The, the whole firm is doing one project team does it their way. The other project team does it their way. We want a set of office standards. Yeah. Come on in and, and do that. And it kind of evolved at that point is into what the template became. And the template set itself up from them. And after that point, they just started using the template for every job. So, you know, they, they have that starting point. They have that starting point. They saved 120 hours every time 
they use that template. And, and they've been, you know, entirely grateful for that. At this point, every architect should be working on, on through BIM, whether it's Revit or ARCHICAD, right? None of us should be using AutoCAD anymore. Um, so if, if, if we are an architect who is using AutoCAD, um, and I confess, still using AutoCAD, um, what would you say, what, what encouragement would, could you give me to help me take the leap to do it? Because it, the biggest problem is there's fear involved. Uh, you know, I have to learn a new thing. Uh, it's going to take lots of time. I don't have lots of time. What can you tell me that's going to help me make that, that change to, to move from one to the other? Because I have to do it. So what do I need to do to, to make that happen? So, so I'll, I'll make it really personal then. I'll, I'll yeah. talk about on this. Mark, you're drawing in 2D, correct? Correct. So you're, if you're drawing in 2D, that means you have to draw the plan. You have to, you know, slowly think about drawing the elevations, correct? Correct. You have to slowly think about drawing the sections, correct? Correct. You have to figure out a door schedule, a window schedule, a room finish schedule, correct? Right. But I know how to do all that. But you know how to do all that, but it, <laughs> but it still takes you time to do that. Yes, lots, way too much time. Way too much time. So BIM comes along and I say to you, Mike, here's this wonderful tool that you can use. You only have to learn how to draw in 3D. And we're architects. You should know how to think in 3D. You should know how to draw in 3D. Right. Make, make yourself you know, an architect of the 21st century as far as that is concerned. Here's this wonderful program that you're not drawing two lines to represent a wall. You're drawing a full wall. You've got the construction in that wall. You have to figure out how to make that, that wall what it's built of in order to get your partition types. That's done. So as, you, as you've gone through and thought that wall out and built that wall, you've also done your partition types. You put that wall to you know a, a plan, you now have an interior elevation, exterior elevation. You put that wall there, you also have a wall section going through you have and as soon as you put a door or window or a room into a wall through BIM you have all those schedules starting to feed that information into that can you do all that in one step doing a <laughs> drawing no no exactly and and that's where I see the value of you know BIM being and and again everybody knows the, the term BIM does anybody understand what BIM stands for building information models. Right. And, and, and my little crusade today has been, you know, architects do not use the I in BIM. It's, it's time, you know, we start using BIM and we start using the I and put in that information. Right. So, so even architects that are using Revit, using BIM software, they're not using it to the, to the maximum benefit. Most. No, they're not. They're not. And, and and that's my push, and that's you know my passion to do the Revit coaching session. So you know when I go through that, I show people what I've done with a, a room finish schedule, a door finish schedule, and and I will ask, I'll call you out again personally, Mark. When you do a schedule, a door schedule, do you enjoy putting in HM for hollow metal, <laughs> two hundred rooms, no. two hundred floors? No, and I don't like proofreading it later either no, to make sure that I do you? typed it properly. So, so if I could give you a set and give you this Revit content family of a door that at the very least carried HM in it and fed that information into a door schedule, what would you say? 
Yeah, it saved me uh, tens of hours, hundreds of hours of time. Yeah, it did. As I say, I'm just too lazy to put in the HM, 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 HM all day long. So here's the question, John. So so clearly I can save hundreds of hours of time, thousands of hours of time over over years. Yeah. And so, so how long does it take me, somebody like me, 50 years old, I've been doing CAD since I was 25, um, how long is it going to take me to get my mind? Cause I can learn it tomorrow, right? It's, it tomorrow. It's, it's the mindset shift. How long does it, does it take somebody who is fully in embraced in AutoCAD, uh, to, to make that transition where I'm now practicing using Revit? It, it's really tough because of the fact is, is that Revit's not as easy as the program to learn as AutoCAD. Yeah. And it's a drawing line. I've always said that I could teach people AutoCAD in two weeks. And you could be up and running productive. I can get to the basics in about two months for that. And by that two-month time, we all should be able to understand and, and think in Revit terms. And I have a lovely story for thinking in Revit terms. For all of us that use Revit, know of the website, RevitCity.com, where we get some of our content. and, and yeah. you know, They also had a chat. Not, it, it, it would probably be like the infancy of the CNC. Where everybody just hangs on and helps out and, and gives that. I don't remember the procedure because it was it was just a regular everyday architectural procedure. I'm talking to this person through chat and saying I'm doing this, this, and this. He chat he chats back to me and says, "Well, your first problem is," and it's like I'm waiting with bated breath, saying, "Okay, yeah, I know my first problem is I can't do it." You're thinking like an architect. I look on this side, in the back side of my head, I'm going. Yeah, I was trained as an architect. I I think as an architect, I draw as an architect. On the script, I go, yes, so what's wrong with that? Revit does not think like an architect. You have to think like Revit thinks, was his answer. And and, and I'm going, are you kidding me? I I just, you know, was looking for help and I get this kind of an answer. Problem is, that is so true. Yeah. The day I started to think like Revit thinks, life got immensely easier yeah those are the kind of things that that that's why the coaching service is such a good idea because it's not just training it's somebody who can help you with all those those things you've been through it you've been through it with other people uh it's it's such a good idea john so i'm if anybody's interested in revit coaching with john uh jfkdmr.com is where you can go to learn about all the services if you want to hire them to just do cad and uh, do cad <laughs> no we don't do cad <laughs> i don't do cad cad is dead to john um so if you want to hire him to do revit for you you can do that um you know, want to hire him as a coach uh, jfkdmr.com uh john what's one thing a small firm architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow and that might be obvious at this point but what is one thing? It, that it, it's going to be a total repetition. Have your systems in place. Know what you want Revit to do for a final project. And even if it's not for me, please buy a look into a template. That template will help you out immensely. It'll, it'll get you off in the correct direction. All right. Sounds good. John Kinney, jfkdmr.com. John, this has been a great conversation. I've learned a lot. I'm motivated. I'm ready to go. When do I set you up? <laughs> Thanks for joining us today, John. Thanks, I appreciate John. you. All you always share knowledge, whether it's in the Facebook group or whether it's here on the podcast. I appreciate you for what you do. Uh, thank you very much. You're more than welcome. Thank you again, Matt, for allowing me on the show. 
If you liked this episode of Entree Architect Podcast, please share a rating, write a review, and share a link to this episode with a friend. Links to the resources we discussed today are available at the show notes for this episode found at entrearchitect.com slash podcast. Entree Architect is proud to be a partner with the largest, most engaged AEC multimedia network on the planet, Gable Media. We are curating thought leadership for an audience dedicated to building a better world. Listen and subscribe to all the shows at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. And check out Entree Architect Academy membership. We have ready-to-edit business resources, live monthly training for architects, a supportive architect community, and Simple Systems, our new business system program developed for you, small firm architects. It's all waiting for you right now at Entree Architect Academy membership. Come join me and hundreds of Entree Architect peers at entrearchitect.com slash join. That's entrearchitect.com slash join to enroll today. Be well, my friends. Be healthy, happy, safe, and secure. Thank you for listening. Love, learn, and share what you know. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's, it's so real to this day. I, I I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? (laughs) We did it guys. One that came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, 
Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is gonna be a priority. When the job is done, we're gonna actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. And so for me, the the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.